What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Mr. Phelps, if you're wondering if other people share your concern, they don't. <laughs> Oh, here we, we, oh, there, oh, yeah, it started. <laughs> here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, brought to you by Masterclass. And today, we're broadcasting from Show Creator Studio South here in Las Vegas. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And how far to 2024 before we actually talk about 2023? That's what we want to know. We've been promising a year review. We haven't done it. We might not even do it today, but it's on tap. But here he is, preach the love, Pendulet. Did you mention Masterclass? Did Brought you? to you by Masterclass. Yeah. Oh, you already said that? I said at the top. Masterclass. <laughs> Masterclass. We're going to talk a lot more about Masterclass and lifelong learning. We shouldn't have to even tell you more. We're going to tell you more, but we don't yeah. really have to. All you got to do is right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash pen. Pen. Yeah. You weren't together on that. I know, but I, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get it next time. You're working on your keyboard. Bit. I am. I'm trying to figure out what key you're in and if I can get it right to add to it. Well, you know, do- Penn threatened to learn the key last week. I'm doing he did this. not. And then that's it. What is the key, Ready, Rich? <laughs> not that one. <laughs> well, this is not a key. That's just a bunch I of I mean, keys. I guess you could say it's C in some way, right? That's what I was going for. Matt, you'll want to nod me in on your tempo next time, so I'll know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, here we are. Just for our listeners at home, Ready, yeah. Rich has left uh, two keyboards in front of us, so yeah, I just yeah. don't know if we ever called that out. It, so was, if you wanna, it was a big mistake. It was a big jam room. Here we are. Yes. Here we are in the years. It is uh, two weeks, over two weeks yeah. into 2024, and we probably should get to the year in review. Yeah. But there's so much to talk about. There's an episode that we had, we had nothing to talk about and forgot they were supposed to do the year in review and did a basically talk about whatever the fuck we wanted. And we had the year in review right in front, right in front of, of us and didn't do it. We are not smart people. <laughs> <laughs> Organized is not the first adjective. You people would describe no. Penn Sunday School. No. The only way I'm able to organize yeah. in my life right. is to throw things away. <laughs> and that works really well. Yes. I'm a very organized person because I throw shit away. I mean, mentally too. Yes. So, okay. So here's what you got to know. We're doing three, count them three, Super Bowl shows. Okay. Because we are, and I didn't know this. I didn't know this until they told me. I'm an icon of Las Vegas. <laughs> Oh, wait, I, oh, sorry. That laughter felt like I was laughing at that note. And then I wanna... 
it just time. shows the kind of stress you're under yeah. that you would laugh at a totally inappropriate place. We all say Wayne Newton, Celine Dion, Pendulette. That's yeah. the way we all say uh, that list. Strangely, yeah. they say Penn and Teller, yeah. Wayne Newton, right? Yeah. Then they go to Celine Dion. Yeah, I think I think I think I'm of an era, right? Like Celine Dion changed a certain perception of Vegas yeah. entertainment, and so in my time. So we are doing all these Super Bowl shows when yeah. they do a background on Vegas. What is yeah. Vegas like as a town? So I was doing CBS came in. Uh, I think I told Mac this last week, so I won't go too much into it. They shot a half hour interview with us. Whoa! In drag, they did B roll. Yeah. Of me putting my hat on to play jazz. Okay. B-roll of Teller in his dressing room. Okay. In his underpants, I guess. I, I say underpants. That's D-roll, then. Because there's a chance yeah. underwear could be sexy to someone. <laughs> understand? Uh, I definitely understand. Okay. And they shot me playing the entire jazz. They shot the entire show. Three cameras. Wow. Two cameras or three cameras. You get copies of that after? They shot us especially walking on stage from backstage and some sort of cheesy Neil Diamond thing, you know? I'm Glenn, you guys just shot a TV special and you don't know it. Okay. Here's the punchline. Yeah. How long were they shooting for? Uh, well, it, it was have to be before all that, so it'd have to be maybe four hours total, I've right, heard. Right, right, right. But what, what is their goal for the finished product? Oh, <laughs> it's going to be... Uh, we're sitting down with with Penn Jillette and they'll do a brief summary How of your long career. Is the whole thing going to be the entire spot on the icons Penn and Teller in Vegas? Okay, thirty seconds. Oh, two minutes. So you- two minutes. Oh, okay, so I was going to say thirty seconds at the top where they cut to the interview, and then they'll cut to different footage of you while you're yeah. talking. Yeah. And so I thought I actually thought the total would be around two minutes. <laughs> you're lying. No, no. I- <laughs> <laughs> so, so two minutes. They shot four hours for two minutes. Okay. I got to tell you, if porn were shot that way, all of porn up yeah. would be eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, do you get that footage? Like, that's an incredible amount of footage. And then we're doing, I guess I can't say this, but a very important person in the NFL. Okay. We are producing in a uh, thing with... Um, Keegan, uh, Keegan, Keegan Michael, Michael Key. Yeah. Is it Taylor Swift? Keegan Michael, <laughs> Ke- Keegan Michael Key. We're doing a live spot. Oh, man. With Keegan Michael he Key. He is so great. He is good. You know, we had a Zoom meeting with him. Yes. And even in that, he was good. He, Just kind and sweet. That's and it. smart. And boy, you, you don't have to explain the premise of a joke to him more than once. Oh, no. You really don't. No, I mean, if back in the day, like if I, uh, back in the day when we had the entertainment directors, I always thought trying to get Key and Peel to do a stage show together. Yeah. But the way those two tackled comedy, I mean, we know what's happened with Peel. Yeah. You know, he's gone on to the tone that he brought to all those sketches he's now made yeah. into successful movies. And Key, Key was great at just adapting to all those ideas. It, it, it's amazing. You say, I have an idea. I think we could. He goes, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine how fast that guy is. There's no idea that you can have that he doesn't understand instantly. No, and the most people who are fast are fast on like a writing level, like mm-hmm. words, right? But that guy's done so many different types of comedy. I can't imagine on a visual, like tonal, like seeing it from the camera's eye, 
how fast he must be. And then we are doing a live morning bit at two, at four fucking a.m. Oh, four fucking. No one's up. A.m. No one's up then. No then. one's up. No one's up. No one's up. No one's up. No. no. But we're doing all this, but this will make you laugh, uh, maybe, because you will get it, and I didn't get it. They had to explain it to me. I'm doing this interview about Vegas, mm-hmm. and I've been told to keep it positive. <laughs> you know what I love about my signs no longer being on my casino? <laughs> you know my favorite part about my casino? Not even have lights on it anymore. <laughs> so I to- talked about how important it was for the Super Bowl to be in Vegas, yeah. how that made us a real city. Mm-hmm. And how we have changed over the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. And now we had an NFL team and how important that was. And then I got very frank and honest. And I said, neither Teller or I even know who's playing in the Super Bowl. We have no idea who's playing in the Super Bowl. We don't know. I mean, here it is in our town. We are so ignorant to sports that we don't know who's playing in the Super Bowl. And they stopped the... <laughs> And the interviewer said, nobody knows. <laughs> and I said, what? And she said, we can't use any of this because nobody knows who's playing the Super Bowl. And I said, I don't understand what you're saying. And she said, we don't know who's playing in the Super Bowl. I said, well, you have to know. Isn't this planned out? Don't they know how to do the advertising? She said, they are competing for who will play in the Super Bowl. And Teller and I both paused, thought, and went, oh. <laughs> That's the only footage I want to see. <laughs> so they don't know. <laughs> so no one knows. She said, no, nobody knows who's playing in the Super Bowl. So when you say we don't even know who's playing in the Super Bowl, you sound like you have no idea. <laughs> I said, well, I thought this was all planned out. To say you, you in numerous corners of the internet. Exactly. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you understand that my point of view yeah. was not in any way conspiracy. Yes. It wasn't in any way no. the fix is in. It was just, well, they got to plan this. So I thought they picked two teams, you know. Yeah, the commissioner of football is like, buddy, preach. If I could know <laughs> who was playing. We could arrange. We would not make sure the New York market sucks at football every year, but they do. Both teams? We gave them two teams, and neither one of them can play well? So, but two cameras rolling, one a close-up of my face, as she said, no one knows who's playing in the Super Bowl. And I also said, but haven't they bought tickets? <laughs> It's like she was saying to me, we're doing a concert at Madison Square Garden, and we don't know who's performing. Right. Okay. So you have a choice. It could be Bob Dylan. It could be Andrew Dice Clay. (laughs) But you've got your ticket. And that's somewhere else in the country. Dylan would go up against Andrew Dice Clay somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're inventing something pretty awesome. (laughs) There'd be odds. There'd be spreads. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, Dylan won, but it was a disappointing spread. <laughs> he didn't cover. 
he, he got more votes, but they thought we would win by a lot more votes. Andrew Dice Clay won most valuable nothing. <laughs> um, I thought when that's I that's really funny when that happened. Yeah, I thought Matt Donnelly will enjoy this. I thing. really, really did. Because <laughs> as you were telling it, I'm going through the process they were as they were listening to you. Yeah, and they're like, wait, what? Wait, <laughs> no, no one does. <laughs> What's he talking? If he says it a third time, I'm going to tell him. <laughs> I, I can let it go, but, uh, but and if he keeps even hammering in, this point, I have to let him know. Even in the real time, yeah, I didn't really get it. And then afterwards, Robbie said, "I said I I said this about not knowing who was playing in the Super Bowl," and he said, "They have playoffs to determine that." <laughs> I said, "And that's still going on." <laughs> he said. He said, yes, yes. I said, so they're playing games to decide who plays at the Super Bowl right now? And Robbie said, right now. <laughs> and after recording it, right now. Right now it's happening. Right now? Yes, right now. So they still don't know. Yeah, because we record noon on Sunday. Yeah, no, no, we're not even close. <laughs> we're down to eight teams. Eight? Eight, yeah. See, I thought it was like down to two. Tell we're down to six and it'll be down to five by the time we're done recording. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, really don't follow sports. I really don't follow sports. Because <laughs> the idea of a tournament to you is like, what? <laughs> I, <laughs> the foundation of basically all championship sports is that there's a tournament to yeah, determine the best. Yeah. And I... And I <laughs> But I didn't think, I just think it's show business, right? Right. You got to know who's going to be. Yes. Okay. And like I said, there's plenty of YouTube channels dedicated to exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> well, here's the exciting thing. Scorsese's got this new movie coming out. Yeah. And we uh, have the script and we have no idea who the actors are. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I saw yeah. it, right? They're going to compete. They're going to compete. No, no, I didn't even understand the competing thing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. even understand that. I just thought, oh, we don't know? Yeah. We don't know. We got all this money riding on it. We don't know. And people have already bet, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's that's how the more you, the, the further out you take a guess, the more money you can make mm -hmm. and also lose. Right. But, uh, yeah. So if you put, you could put money on six months ago, the most valuable player would be Penn Jillette. Right. And you could put a quarter in and you would win $130 million. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should that should that come out? Should there be some kind of nuclear incident? <laughs> somehow, you were responsible for the only person playing football at the end. Yes. Yeah. Emily told me a story that a friend of hers had put uh, uh, really like $20. Yes. At the beginning of the season. And if, if you go all the way, it's a remarkable amount of money. Yeah. In fact, there's a big tournament, the Circa ran, where it was millions of dollars on the line for you. You just had to pick one winner each week and not repeat the team you pick uh, twice. And But if you pick a team and it loses, you're out. And it went from, you know, thousands of people down to like six people. Ah. And, the, and the person who offered basically said, hey, why don't we do a split of half of the money? It's like $8 million. Why don't we split $4 million up right now? We'll just compete for $4 million the rest of the way. And one person said, no, I think I got this. And that person lost the next week. <laughs> I was, I, you know, I had to learn to play poker yes. for a brief period of time. And uh, I, 
I was on the final table on the bubble. Yeah. For like, it was a real poker game. Like in a, it wasn't even televised. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I had been forced by somebody. Said, "Oh, Pat, come on, blah, blah, blah. and I got to. Um, it's like two a.m. Yeah, and it was the final table down to eight people. Yes, okay. And someone said, "Why don't we just split the pot now? Yeah, and be done for the night." And I said, "We could have done that six hours ago, <laughs> and not paid our hundred dollar entry fee." That's what the hundred dollar entry fee is. <laughs> All the people that aren't sitting at this table that did not come into this room, that's the way they're playing. <laughs> they're walking down Las Vegas Boulevard going, I'm not gonna put a hundred dollars in a tournament. I'm just keeping it. Yeah. That's the way you do that, right? So yeah. you didn't chop. I did I th I think I finally someone at the table then said that's easy for you to say because uh, you are successful. Man, yeah. This money, me, I said, no, chop it. I don't care. <laughs> I, I was just making an intellect. My point was intellectual. Exactly. Totally intellectual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That had nothing to do with reality. Uh, I just wanted to go home anyway. Yeah. But my point was we could chop before we walked in this room. <laughs> I mean, right? I yeah. Mean, I, it's just when you're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I've saw you play play poker. You're very good at, at playing poker, only because I was taught by the best in the world. Yeah, they taught me what to do, and I got to also learn a little bit from that Annie Duke. Yeah, well, Annie Duke taught me some, and Perry Friedman. Yeah, uh, one of the uh, poker players, Andy um, Andy Block. Yeah, and and Eric Seidel. And Eric Seidel. Yeah, these are the people that were teaching me. Yes, I was sitting at a table with all of them playing yeah. poker, and they're all good at different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And I got to, I was once a, a correspondent for one of the online poker companies, mm -hmm. uh, for like, uh, for web video stuff way back in the day. And Eric and Annie would huddle up in between all of their rounds and just talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And I would eavesdrop on that. And I learned more from that. And then I got to a few final tables in smaller little tournaments, little, little Vegas, uh, you know, daily tournaments. Mm -hmm. I got good enough to basically get pretty good at making final tables. And I always chopped. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to go home if we were going to go home. But you do understand the intellectual yes. point. Yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah. And, and I remember Andy Block told me yeah. that if I was dealt American Airlines, yes. which is uh, two, aces. two aces, if I was dealt that in the beginning, then my hands would tremble. Uh -huh. And I said to Andy Block, I said, I have done Saturday Night Live with material that I had never done right. I have gone in front of 8 million people ready to fuck up on live TV, and I didn't tremble. And he said, you will if you get that. It was dealt to me and Your complete head. tremble. <laughs> I was trying to control my hands. And I guess it has to do with um, a huge burst of adrenaline, but no way to express it. Oh, of course. Like when I'm on Saturday Night Live, I'm moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can burn it, burn that up. And if you were like, if you were like in the middle of a monologue while you're dealt your cards and then looked in and kept talking, mm -hmm. I bet you'd be fine. 
to continue sure. plowing through. Sure. Your and also, I can use that. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean that use that in the yeah, yeah. actor sense. No. But I mean the energy in your body. Yeah. You can move more. Yeah. But if you're not supposed to move at all, and all you got is your hand, and it's got like you know essentially. You know, 20 Starbucks espressos going through it. The <laughs> poor hand doesn't know what to do. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but the way the way Perry plays poker is the most interesting of all of them. Oh, uh, yeah? Because Perry um, can't read people mm. at all. No sense of reading people. No sense of bluffing, all. not bluffing, that kind of stuff. You can't tell on people. Yeah. He can't look at all. He looks at people's eyes. He gets no information. Yeah, yeah. He just, um, you know, that's his makeup. That's yes. the way he is. He's not good at reading emotions on people. Whereas Andy Block will tell you what everyone at the table has. probably has by looking around, which means Perry does this really unnerving thing because Perry is doing it totally with logic and with mathematics. Yeah, yeah. So the money doesn't mean anything to him. Yeah. So if you've got, if he's sitting there and he's making a $100,000 bet. Yeah. Doesn't even look anybody in the eye, just pushed it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no thought at all. I mean, there's a huge amount of thought. Well, yeah. There's no human thought. As a matter of fact, I think he's got two bracelets, I think. Uh -huh. And I think one of them is from Omaha, uh -huh. which is much more mathematical and just constantly calculating odds or whatever. Yeah. And he has an unbelievable brain for calculating yeah. odds. Yeah. He told me how he breaks down an Omaha hand, and I was like, how on earth can you keep all that in your brain? And he also, uh, he also does it instantly. Yeah. And then it makes no difference to him whether he has a 0.01% edge yeah. or a 50% edge. Yeah. He pushes in the same amount of money. It's just edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boom. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. Yep. I've watched him lose huge hands, win huge hands. You can't tell the difference in him. No. The only <laughs> difference is how many people he invites to Outback Steakhouse after. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's the only difference. It's uh, it's really interesting, but uh, yeah. I've been doing these interviews about the Super Bowl. And I've been trying to be sane. Uh, <laughs> Who's coaching you up? You, you know, you bring me for some rehearsals. If there's a time to bring me in. It's probably before these interviews. Well, except here's the thing. <laughs> That's why I said. See, Glenn gave me a hint. Yeah. I said before this interview. I said to Glenn. I said, should I talk to Robbie? before I go in so I have something to say about the teams that are playing. And he said, no. And I, <laughs> oh, man. But if you were doing an interview, who would you say? You, one of the things you could do in the interview was to actually talk about who you thought was most likely, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you think is most likely? Ravens. Ravens? Yeah. Are they Baltimore? Because yes. of Edgar Allan Poe? You, look at you. Back, get back out there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Someone call up CVS. <laughs> Ben's got something on the line. <laughs> only, only because I do Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> There are probably people who've bet a lot of money on the Ravens that don't know that. That's, that's true, yeah. <laughs> In fact, that's it. We'll pull the locker room of the Ravens. Do you know why you're called the Ravens? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> They're fierce bird? Predator? <laughs> nearest bird? Did you say nearest bird? <laughs> no, no, fierce. Oh, nearest, nearest bird is pretty great. <laughs> they hold a grudge? Yeah. Yeah, Ravens do hold a grudge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, in terms of this, 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 this would kill all of your interviews. So maybe we should talk about it after the Super Bowl's over. 
But the whole idea of coming up with the alpha, and then we like to bring up the alpha quality, the author of the book on wolves that people use as the backing up their, their, their logic, the, the, person, the first person to publish about the alpha wolf. About the science of the alpha. The science of having an alpha wolf mm-hmm. has recanted all of his research. Is That's, that true? Yes. He has said that it's wrong. He begged the publisher to add an addendum to the book. They wouldn't do it. Then he begged them to stop publishing it, and they did. So they stopped publishing his book on wolves. How long ago was this? Uh, they stopped publishing it in 2000, uh, just, just two years ago, 2022. But it was published in, I want to say, 70s, 70s or 80s. Okay. And uh, what is that premise everybody's taken that's wrong? Well, they always talk about, an a- especially with athletes, that this person, not only, not only are they talented, but they have an alpha quality to them. Mm-hmm. They want to dominate everyone else on the court. And so you hear it all the time, the cliche of describing someone as the alpha in the room or someone declaring themselves like the alpha. Like big dick energy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's often used to like determine whether we're going to draft this guy or that guy. They have both have good skill sets, but he's more of an alpha. So I'm going to take him or whatever. And the whole like the whole wolf pack and how they can the alpha can you know lead and everyone else will fight for that alpha and that kind of stuff. And it's all totally wrong. Yeah, he made a mistake. Yeah, he made a mistake. <laughs> he basically was like, what happens is their families. They establish families, and then the father and the mother both fight pretty hard for their family. And that's the way almost all species work. There's nothing exceptional to the wolf. Uh, about that about that quality and then the next level of the tribe the same thing yeah 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 and that basically like there's there's no difference between them and any other animal including human beings about how they behave in Mm -hmm. in those things and so although i will tell you that there there is something you know um owen morse of the passing zone yeah he said that when he uh was playing high school basketball Mm -hmm. he wanted to win more than anyone yeah. In his high school. Yeah. When he got to college, he realized he didn't want to win more than anyone. Yeah. That's, that's all That's all who make it to that next level. Yeah. And yeah. so now it's a whole, it's a reshuffling of the deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you see that in, in Hollywood in looks. Oh, for sure. Every best looking person from the high school. Yeah. And of course, MIT. Yeah. Ha- half you people are now below average. Yeah. I mean, if there, <laughs> there are people who have figured out that if you go to Miami or Los Angeles to find the most beautiful woman with low self-esteem. Go there. <laughs> too too that, many people figure that out. That research has not been recanted. <laughs> so, first of all, Handsome Jack took full credit. I mean, 100% credit. Yeah, he can, for, I think. For you wearing a tuxedo. That's right. At the, uh, at the Magic Castle. So I got- he said he's been tugging on your dick for a year now. Well, not only he's been tugging on my dick, but he's been tugging on the dick of every magician he talks to. Because mm-hmm. if I talk to them and I start talking about performing or whatever, and I'll go, oh, you know, Handsome Jack has this thing he hates when I wear my overalls. Even though I got special permission to wear my suit overalls at the Magic Castle, he hates that I wear them mm-hmm. at the Magic Castle. And every magician I talk to says, I know. Meaning Handsome Jack's been talking to them about it as well. Yeah. And so he's made sure that every magician has an opinion about this. He talked to me about it. <laughs> so... Uh, I got hired for F1. I went suit shopping for F1 because the joke I always had to Handsome Jack was, I can't even if I wanted to. I uh, don't have the clothes. Yeah. And so I went suit shopping for F1 and I found this tailor, Gary Franzen, who used to work with Mac mm-hmm. on Mac's clothes. And I told him about what I, what I was wanted and he said, well, I can, I can make you a very nice suit, but it can't, I can't get it done before F1. And then I thought, well, I'm playing the Magic Castle in January. Let's just call Handsome Jack's bluff anyway. Mm-hmm. And also... Was, is it a tux? It's a tux. I got a, I got a bespoke tuxedo made 
of Italian material, Italian design, put together by Gary Franzen. Mm-hmm. Tuxedo pants, shirt, bow tie, and jacket, all made for me. Do you tie the bow tie? No. Okay. Because I'm in show business. <laughs> <laughs> and you look good in it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, as good as I'm going to look in it something. <laughs> If, if you can't do nude. <laughs> exactly. If I can't show off my favorite features, then yes. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is, so, so I went to the Magic Castle, and I call, uh, on the way out, I called Handsome Jack. I said, Are you gonna, I'm at the castle this week. Are you going to come? He said, I'm going to come tonight. I said, good. I have a surprise for you. So I put on the tux, and then I go to load in, and I walk in. There's Erica Larson and Christy Pitchford uh-huh. sitting right there. And they said, whoa, look at you with the tux. I said, yeah. I'm here to shut Handsome Jack up. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wear the tux tonight, and I'll go back to the overalls. And Christy said, well, I'm coming Thursday, and I want the tux. <laughs> That's okay. I'll do the tux. And then my friend who booked me for F1, I said, I finally got the tux made. And he goes, well, I never get to see it. I'm coming Sunday. And the truth is, I actually have had trouble booking you because of overalls. So I want to see you in the tux as well. So then it ended up being a science experiment mm-hmm. where I did. By the way. You did not shut up, Handsome Jack. Oh, no. No. It went it went crazy. He was calling everyone and saying, I was right about the tux. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a punchline I'm holding back. Okay. You keep talking about this. Great, great. So I got to do an experiment. So you do 21 shows at the Magic Castle in a week, right? Mm-hmm. So I did nine in a tuxedo, mm-hmm. nine in overalls, and because of dry cleaning- Three nude. <laughs> three in a suit and tie, just a regular uh, suit and tie. Suit and tie was a mistake. Not, a, not because of my relationship to the audience, or, uh, but my relationship to my material. I do a lot of physical weird bullshit in my show, uh-huh. and my tie was just winging around all over the place, and it just was out of, it looked out of place. It was tucked. I looked like a, I looked like a, a, a drunk stand-up comedian. Uh-huh. And so I was like, long tie is stand-up out. Stand-up comedian. <laughs> I, looked like, I looked like a depressed, <laughs> socially awkward stand-up comedian. Stand a comedian. <laughs> so wearing a tux was fine. Yes, handsome Jack indeed. None of my material didn't go over because I was in a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have to adjust my opening. I did take the audience. Well, the thing about coming on the overalls is I'm telling you I'm doing something different. Uh-huh. I come on the overalls and this guy like, well, this is not a guy in a tuxedo. So then I start to do really weird, funny things early. Gets laughs right away, establish a tone, and I take off from there. I had to basically add jokes at the top in my tux outfit, I did kind of do like a little bit of an opener mm-hmm. in order to get the audience where they would laugh. And cause basically I have two things that are jokes that are quote unquote mistakes, but you know, I'm in on it and it's funny mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, one is producing a giant fish. I say name any animal, right? They never say fish. I bring a fish in the tux. It looks like an actual mistake. And then people will go like, Oh, and you're like, no, 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 no. I didn't accidentally pull out a giant fish. <laughs> you know, you, you, but you can't say that. <laughs> So I had to like adjust uh, my opening about the managing, but which is fine. Great. Little tiny adjustment. No big deal. It went over fine. I think at the end of the day, I, I wanted to explore after doing close up for F1. I did want to explore being able to be booked for smaller things mm-hmm. and being in the tux does help it. And so I don't mind adding it to my repertoire. I wasn't like, it wasn't, I wasn't holding on to it like this weird thing that handsome Jack was holding on to it for. I was holding on to it for marketing purposes. Piff said, if you have a memorable outfit, if they can't remember your name, but they can describe what you look like and everyone knows who you're talking about. That's a very good thing to have at your disposal. So if the, the guy in overalls and everyone says, Matt, the mind noodler, then great. 
So that's all I was riding out. Well, here's the thing that blew my mind. Yeah. Mac King saw you. Yes. And Mac King said, I just thought I've been stupid all these years. Why am I wearing why am I wearing a stupid outfit? I could just go out in a tux and it would be fine. <laughs> That'd be so strange. Yeah. But he's right though, I think. <laughs> because I can picture Mac in like a regular suit and doing all this stuff, and I wouldn't think he was any less funny at all. Yeah. So like So you made you gave you gave Mac King an existential crisis. <laughs> You know what I'm going to talk about now? You do know. I I'm going do. to talk about Masterclass. Uh, <laughs> Masterclass is lifelong learning, which is, <laughs> which is all we care about. That's right. It may be the purpose of life that Masterclass is offering you, right? Yeah. You have, and I don't know why, they, I don't believe this, by the way. They have what, they say 180 different um, instructors? Yeah, they're, they're, they're selling themselves short. Yeah, they are. There's more than that. Yeah. There's, there's more than that. There are such, such, such good classes, such good lessons, and the instructors are amazing. They are geniuses in their field, like Penn and Teller in magic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But you just took one, right? Yes, I just started uh, uh, Summon Rushdie's on, on writing and storytelling. And if you're the kind of person who takes notes, you might as well just hit record because <laughs> every <laughs> sentence that comes out of his mouth. Just the guy's very, very good and compelling to listen to about storytelling. And you run to write down everything he says, <laughs> like right away. It's just, it's like, uh, we are the only creatures that learn from storytelling. We're the only animals that learn from each other through stories. And once you're taken care of as a child, once you are loved and nourished, the next thing you want to hear is a story. And you can tell a story about any person at any place on earth. And as long as there's human nature involved, we connect. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, but he has like, yeah, he goes through like the six questions you have to answer yourself before you start writing a book. Mm -hmm. And then one of the coolest things he says is you can write letters to your, to yourself. You can write letters explain, as if you're explaining to a friend the book that you're writing. And the idea of writing that to someone else and the fact they will have follow-up questions, those follow-up questions will pop up into your head. And so you'll get better at shaping and, and sharpening the story that you're telling by writing fake emails to yourself. So that was really cool. And once again, like all the lessons, all the instructors, even if you don't want to learn what their class is about, right. you learn a lot about life. Oh, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Salman Rushdie, if you never intend to write a story, of course, that's, that's hard. That's a bad example. Yes. Because everybody writes stories. Right, everybody but we don't tend stories. to publish a, a book, but right. we all think of stories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one thing he said was he goes, happiness is white ink on a white page. Just that we, well, there's nothing, those people are happy. Great. Like we don't write compelling stories about happy people doing happy things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. Except John Sebastian. Well, that's it. So if you can, then you're probably a really great writer. Yeah. I mean, John Sebastian always wanted to write happy songs. That was one of his goals. Oh, yeah, yeah. John Sebastian should do one of these um Masterclass is, masterclass is, is, anyway, there's a ton and everybody, everybody teaches them Yeah, and they're really good. I mean, I always bring them Steve Martin, Ron Howard, cause those blow my mind. Right. And all the great cooks that I don't know the names of, but they're, uh, they're really, really good. And right now our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash pen. pen. 
Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash pen. Masterclass.com slash pen. Oh, I think that adding the music has added a it's lot. Huge. It's huge. It's huge. Huge thing to that. Uh, I do. Yeah, I do. Like you said, like how to help a normal person. Some people get self-conscious telling stories. And some people don't know one. Uh, some people find other people good at it and they're bad at it. So if you, t- if, you, if you take the six questions that he makes you answer in the first lesson, if you just write those six questions down about any story you're going to tell, it's going to make you a better storyteller. Well, this is the amazing thing about Masterclass. We are done doing the advertisement for Masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still talking about it. Yes. This is going to be, we're all keep taking, they're going to be a topic of conversation. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Tony Cortez. Yes. Has written in and said, could you please revisit the topic of your job at Famous Bill's Restaurant? (laughs) I'd like to know at what age or grade you're in when you worked there and for how long. Were you driving at the time or did you have to walk to work? If walk, what time of year was it? I've heard you mention your dishwashing job before, but I never heard you mention the name of the place before this episode. Did you work there for an entire school year or possibly just one summer? I know it wasn't all that long. Well, Tony, (laughs) I wrote a short story. Yeah. That's in the uh, book, God is Real, mm-hmm. that comes with as a, as a bonus yeah. for people that bought random in advance. Yeah. It came with the book random. And it's called Herald, A Song Poem Opera. Mm-hmm. In there, even though I'm talking about someone else, it's really about me. Yeah. I write in, uh, in detail about all my time working at Famous Bills. And I talk about the, the dishwasher, Harold, who is the... Um, the star of that story, right? it's all seen through the eyes of a young man who's washing dishes at Bill's, and this is the older dishwasher. Uh, so I give a lot of information on Famous Bill's for those who are hungering. <laughs> um, and where is this? Famous Bill's in Greenfield, Massachusetts. It's now closed, it? now closed up. In, uh, in a book called God is Real. Okay. It was the little, what was that word? We had a word we didn't know. Chapbook. What's that? Chapbook. Chapbook. We had the word for the uh, the chapbook of God is real, right? Is this the real one? I don't think it is. No. 
chapbook for God is Real. What does it say underneath God is Real? Uh, it says, uh, and other fictions. That's right. I just want to make Pendulum. sure we get that in yeah, okay. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're out the title pretty willy-nilly, and I just yeah. <laughs> didn't want people to lose their faith in you. <laughs> um, but Harold, yeah. the short story, talks a lot about it. I was a dishwasher at Howard Johnson's, mm -hmm. right over by the uh, Rotary, Route 91 or Route 2. Uh, where Route 2 and the Mohawk Trail intersects with Route 91. We were not sprung from cages on Highway 91. We just weren't. Right. We stayed in our cages. Mm -hmm. I was also at the Franklin County uh, Hospital. Mm -hmm. I was dishwasher there, which was there called the Dietary Aid. Mm -hmm. Howard Johnson's, I worked for Mr. Borofsky. Okay. Whose daughter uh, wore the Ooh. shortest miniskirts. Oh. That's the thing. I remember. I thought I remembered you were dishwasher at Howard Johnson's. Yeah, I was, and the hospital. Yeah, I always talk about the hospital. How when you first get in to the hospital, you are grossed out by cleaning off the plates of people who are sick. Yes, and by day three, you're eating off them. What's <laughs> left over? <laughs> and then famous Bill's restaurant. Yeah, I was also dishwasher. I believe it was in the summer. Mm -hmm. I believe I was seventeen. Okay. And I believe it was for a very short period of time. Did you drive or bike? And or I drove. Bike? You I drove. drove. Yeah. I had my mom's Falcon. I pictured you unicycling and juggling up until that point. <laughs> unicycling and practicing on the way to Bills and back. And I always liked the job as dishwasher. Yeah. I always liked that job. It's a good job. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was at Bills, I had to go get the lobsters, the live lobsters mm. out of the cellar. And that disturbed me on so many levels. Yeah. One, I was scared of them. Mm-hmm. Two, I was uh, appalled uh, at their life, which was terrible. So even then, because you were a meat eater then. I was a meat eater then and a lobster eater then. Right. But it still troubled me. Yeah. You know, that's the cognitive dissonance. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had uh, a friend writing to me about how when I said I I was kind to our dog and I cared very much about our dog yeah. and its well-being, but I wasn't a pet person. And she wrote me this long thing about how love is love. And the love that a dog feels for you right. is the same as human love. Don't do that. And she was writing this while she was eating cheese. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, well, the cow feels love for its calf, mm -hmm. which you were saying is identical to human love. Right. That calf is taken away. Yeah. So they produce more milk. And the cows can't move. And they're tortured, and you have complete compassion for your dog, and then you're eating cheese. Yeah, it, very confusing to me. It's like when my children would talk about how much they loved the dog while having a pulled pork sandwich. Also, like this person is projecting their own bullshit onto you. She's basically accusing you of neglecting your dog. Well, I don't neglect my dog. Right. As a matter of fact, I care very much about the well-being of animals. Yes. But I'm telling you. By not having cheese for a week, you've increased the well-being of all the animals on the planet much more than patting a dog on the head. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's my question for her. Yeah. If you have a sociopathic serial killer who is incapable of love, mm -hmm. is it okay to eat him? <laughs> well, that is, the, that is the grandmother problem for vegans. They say... You're a vegan because you don't like the suffering of animals. That's not the only reason I'm a vegan. So right. it's not really an appropriate question for me. If that animal dies of um, natural causes, is it okay to eat? 
And they just say the answer is, if your grandmother was hit by a truck, would it be okay to eat her? Mm. And uh, there's disquiet with that. Yeah. There's also flaws with that argument, <laughs> too. But sure. Everybody, th- th- all these these little nitpicky things are just there to like, to like I, there's, there's, a, there's a base tone of like trying to like win an argument more than actually like mm. explore truth. Yeah. And so I just get annoyed by it. And so like the idea that you wouldn't like gush over your dog the way that person gushes over the dog makes you less good at owning a dog. You, I've seen you with your dog. I've seen your family with your dog. That's a very loved and taken care of dog. It's, it's Yes. I don't want the dog to ever suffer. Right. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons, and this has always been true, that I didn't like to have pets is I, I don't like their subservient role. Right. That they've been bred for. Right. That makes me uncomfortable. Right. And which comes back to what I always talk about with squirrels. Yeah. My relationship with animals that I'm comfortable with is watching a squirrel. Yeah. That pleases me. Not even feeding a squirrel, just watching a squirrel. Yeah. Feeding a squirrel is a whole other wonderful thing. <laughs> then throwing something at a squirrel and not hitting it is the best of it. <laughs> right. Should we try it all to get uh, year end? Just because we said that, like in three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, uh, I've titled the last three episodes this, so maybe okay. we could just make it a, a right, annual bit, challenge. An annual challenge. I didn't see many. I only saw four movies in twenty three. Okay, in theaters, mm-hmm. I liked all of them: Guardians of the Galaxy three, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, Barbie, and Oppenheimer. Liked them all. Yeah, liked them all. Now, um, I watch video things. This is things that aren't in the theater, but in my home theater. These are the things I liked. Night of the Iguana, mm-hmm. which is way back from the 60s. Okay. A fabulous movie. The Banshees of Inertian. Inertian. Inertian, which I thought was great, but yeah. didn't really enjoy it. Right. Nothing Lasts Forever, which I loved and have totally forgotten what it was. Suicide Squad, which is great. Juan Tamarith, Love and Magic. Mm-hmm. Soft and Quiet. Did you see Soft and Quiet? No. Oh, it's unpleasant. But I watched it because it's uh, it's all real time. Uh, I love real time movies. Stuff is great. Love real time movies. It's about a uh, uh, white supremacist women. Oh, it's it's unpleasant. But it's it's in one shot. Not, oh. It's not in one shot. Real time. Real time. Real time. Asteroid City is wonderful. I loved that movie. The movie Carol. Never saw it. I love Carol. Kate Blanchett is in it, and uh, The Dark Knight. I always love. And then we did a how whole- You described Inner Sheeran as how I felt about Tar. Mm-hmm. Like it was a great movie that I felt horrible afterward. Tar went right to my heart. Yeah. I just loved Tar. And then I think my favorite movie of all time, which I didn't know was Jesus Christ Superstar. We did a whole show about <laughs> you that. You did. You did. It's really good. Yeah. And then Gimme Shelter, which is so sad. I did a show in Wisconsin two nights ago. A lot of Pennsylvania School listeners there. And a conversation about the Jesus Christ Superstar uh, happened. Did they well. agree with me? Yes. And th- they said they were saying, like, I was like Penn. I, I, when I was young, I was too dumb to realize it was blasphemous at the time. Yeah. And then watched it again as an adult. And I was like, oh, this movie actually says, speaks to all of my sensibilities. Yeah. By the way, uh, shout out to Harry the Grillagician. Now when oh, I meet yeah. A Penn I like Sun- when, now when I meet a Penn Sunday School listener, I get to hand them a Chris Angel has a question sticker, which he gave me a bunch of oh, good. Uh, when he was on Fool Us. And so, uh, anytime I, I have a token for each Penn Sunday School listener now. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. Kane Mutiny. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Burial. Now, I've said many, many, many times that 
my favorite, what I really want to watch all the time Mm -hmm. is African-American lawyers. Yes. And I've told you why. Because uh, our culture now, for really good reasons, can't have a good guy who's a lawyer. Right. You can't have Perry Mason anymore. No. If it's a white guy, he can't be a good lawyer. Right. But African-American lawyers are all portrayed as really good guys. (laughs) The burial, the burial, I mean, I do like- I share your affinity for this, so I I do have to check out the burial, because I love uh, good good legal dramas. I think I couldn't believe, I could not fucking believe, is there's like 15 African-American lawyers. (laughs) Oh, fuck. If you make a movie- Anybody out there, if you want to make a movie that makes me really happy, hippie chicks and African-American lawyers. Oh, yeah. If you put those together in a movie, I, I would watch nothing else. I'm, I'm, I'm writing the Timothy Leary trial movie right now, as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Obliterated. I think we talked oh, about yeah. it. Enough. Did you finally finish it? I did. I did finish it. How much you like it? So satisfying. <laughs> I actually got emotional at the end, uh-huh. and I was like, What? Like I felt like an actual yes, wealth of yes, emotion. Me too. And I was like, what really am I, mad at myself. What am I doing? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> You're going to like, I saw two bands. Uh-huh. I saw Sting. Yeah. And I saw Mike Jones, Steve Flores, and uh, Daniel Platzman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All great. I saw one comedy show in 23. Oh, yeah. Only one. One comedy show. I usually see like 10 or 15. Yeah. I saw one this year, and I liked it very much. The Bucket Show. Oh, Matt that's right. and Hondro came. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you liked it because Hondro came. I saw two magic shows. Two magic shows. Yeah. Uh, I liked one of them. <laughs> uh, Paul Gertner, Miracles yeah. and Other Deceptions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wonderful. I saw three plays. Was the other one mine? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, she Kills Monsters, <laughs> which was done at the high school. Uh-huh. And uh, Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is in LA. And... I mean, Andy Baker is the best playwright we have. Yeah. I saw Infinite Life. Mm. I saw it alone. Seeing an Andy Baker play alone, there's no more intense experience. Right. It's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Vegas shows I saw, just repeat those. And then I have, you know, Full Duplex Radio, mm-hmm. which is my favorite podcast. If you do a search for Full Duplex Radio, you can find it. And Gus Bodenheim, my favorite monologuist. Have you heard Gus Bodenheim? No. He's really funny. I mean, crazy funny. You have to paste it in. You can't even click it on Apple. Yeah. I mean, there's like two dozen people that listen to this. Right. But yeah. it's really good. And Gus Bodenheim is amazing. And then History of Rock Music, which I've talked about. Yes. Much too much. Now, my books, I loved uh, Stripper Noir yep. by uh, Aaron Louise mm-hmm. or Lewis, I guess. Uh, Night of the Iguana, I read, and I love that. A Gentleman to Moscow, mm-hmm. what a good novel. An Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us. Yeah. By Ed Young. Mind-blowing. You can't ever look at a dog the same way. It's really true. Yeah. Uh, and that was my uh, 2023. We finally did it. We did it. We nailed it. What did you love in 2023? Ah, stuff. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Keep a journal like you guys did. Mm. I had, uh, well, I, I personally had the, you know, 2023 was without a doubt the best, both artistically and financially for me as a, as a magician. And so mm-hmm. I had a great 2023 and the highlight obviously was the Foolish Tour and the highlight was being able to do Penn and Teller tricks and play Urine Teller's parts and tricks. 
It was really nutty to see. It was nutty to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I bet. We, we put a new bit in the show. We have coincidence in the show. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know, it's now been over 50 years. Yeah. It seems like I should do one or the other thing, but I don't. Yeah. I, uh, first time we do a trick, I go out underprepared. Yeah. Sickingly underprepared. Uh, we had done rehearsals of coincidence. Yeah. And I had never done it right. Never. Yeah. And then I just go put it in. And then I suffer. I suffer for longer than it would have taken me to do another three runs. Yes. I suffer for like five hours before the show. Yeah. Going, I'm not prepared. This is terrible. Trick's not going to work. I'm going to suck. And then I go out and it goes very, very well. I've been doing that exact thing for over 50 years. I think that the average artist doesn't want to keep feeling that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why eventually, you know, your Billy Joel stops making new albums, that kind of stuff. Uh, they just, they have enough hits to play. They enjoy their songs. And he said as much, he just, he still writes it on his own. He'll fill around at home, but he won't put out any new music anymore. Cause he doesn't like, he doesn't want the, I, I don't think he wants to go through the process of feeling whether it's hit, hit or not, or there's approval or not mm -hmm. the, you know, um, Springsteen, you know, talked about how after wrecking ball, you can see his music went in a different direction. He thought that was going to be a huge album. Uh, thought it was going to be like a, a, another classic e street band album. And then it didn't hit that way. And you can see his music takes a totally different direction. After that. In what way? He just does covers and stuff? He started doing covers. He started, he went to like an orchestral kind of Americana feel to his music. He just went off and just did totally different solo projects that were just fun for him and not about like trying to make these big, big albums. But your career is going to be so fucking weird because you guys are coming up on your 50th anniversary, mm -hmm. which is nuts. Full stop nuts. Yeah. The amount of tricks you've done in your first 40 years versus your last eight now coming, you know, eight, nine, 10. It's almost equal amount because of yeah. coming up with tricks for fool us. Mm -hmm. But it's not like you guys are coming up with like weird bullshitty tricks for fool us. You are in the most prolific yeah. period of your artistic lives. We've never written more and stranger. And they're stranger and different ones and stuff you want to keep. Yeah. You know, like you said a while back that coming around the corner in between Wrapping Foolish, wrapping your tours, and before you're going to prep for another Foolish season, should it come your way, you're going to put the tricks in that you want to put into your show. Yeah. And then when I that time came and I asked you what's in your show, it was a lot of your new stuff that you'd come up with. Yeah. We're doing better stuff than we used to do. We used to star. Yeah. And we're doing harder stuff, too. What made me laugh today yeah. is I was listening to the History of Rock Music and 500 Songs. <laughs> and he was doing a thing of the Walker Brothers. Uh -huh. did Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. Yeah. And he said, uh, in his later career, <laughs> talking about one of the Walker brothers, I forget which one, John maybe, he, star he started doing orchestral pop songs based on Igmar Bergman films in a bit of a stretch from his soul career. <laughs> that, yeah, I believe that's the definition of stretch. But, uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of new stuff. So this thing is, I tell myself it's not true. And I tell the audience that it's not true. Yeah. That we couldn't really rehearse this because it deals with, you need, we were trying to bring people into practice. Yeah, yeah. And to really do it right, we need hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. So we only can learn this in front of the whole audience. Right. But it's really, it's very, very good. 
Yeah. Uh, and we'll be putting in that, and Entropy's going in, and this new bit, which I love the title of and love the idea called Stooges. Mm-hmm. If I told you this idea? Not on air, okay. if you want to share it on air. I'll tell a little bit. It struck me that many people think that we're using plants. Right. Confederates in the audience. Yeah, yeah. And if you believe we're using Confederates in the audience, we don't have a show. Right. There's nothing amazing. It's harder to deny it because there are other magicians working right now in Vegas that do use Confederates. They do. Right. It's amazing their tricks aren't better. (laughs) Isn't it? Uh, Yes. Uh, I mean, if you've got Confederates in a trap door, uh, you know... Uh, there's a magician in town who has a, who had a theater who was it was built for him that was a, unable to do a great magic show, which is amazing. <laughs> to me. Lance had a theater built for him, and yeah. he had tricks that were unexplainable because of that. Yeah, um, inexplainable, I guess. Inexplicable is probably a better way to say it. Sure. So I got the idea, which I really makes me laugh, of saying, "Who thinks we might be using plants in our audience? Who thinks we might have stooges in the audience? Raise your hand." Come up here. I <laughs> love it. I love that so much. It don't matter how many it is. Yeah, yeah. Come, come up here. We'll use you. Of course, we could have had plants among you. So you decide among yourselves who you're going to use for this different role. Go ahead. You have complete control. That makes me laugh so much. I love it so much. Yeah. It's so fun. And again, it's driven by a nice intellectual idea. It's hanging a lantern on, uh, on, on one of the tensions of doing a magic show. Yeah. It's great. We have no idea. People are debating how many people will come on stage. I, Some uh, of the crew is worried it'll be a hundred. I had someone, uh, an interaction with an audience member that went so weird that, that someone, like two seats over, was like, yeah, you're not a plant to that person while they were uh-huh. talking to me. But I, at one point, I ripped tinfoil off my head, and then I pointed to someone and said, name any animal. And the person goes, it's pronounced Lexi? And I said, what? She goes, it's pronounced Lexi, and the animal I want to choose is, I said, I don't understand what you're correcting me on or how that's going to help what's going on at all. <laughs> and she goes, you didn't ask me my name. I said, I didn't. Lexi, look at me. How many voices do you hear talking to you right now? <laughs> oh, her name was Lexi. Yes. And, and I, Well, you hadn't asked her name. No. But she just corrected me about the pronunciation of her name. And then went to name an animal. But she had corrected you when you hadn't said it. Correct. So it was really weird. So how many voices do you hear right now? <laughs> and she goes, sorry, in my defense, I've seen a lot of magic shows tonight. It's at the castle. I've seen a lot of magic shows tonight. And, and, and a lot of people have asked me my name. And I said, well, I've heard your defense. And the, and the judge sides for the defense. You win. Now, let me start a new conversation entirely. <laughs> name an animal. Now, how do you mispronounce Lexi? I don't have no idea. Did someone call her Leaky? Or or Alexis or something? Or Alexi? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you mispronounce that. I don't know either. It was really weird. But the but but because it got laughs on me handling it, the guy turned to her and said, Yeah, you're not a plant. As if I would send that weird non sequitur into every show to help yeah, me out. Yeah. Well that's weird. <laughs> yeah. And people that Fuck up tricks completely. Yes. And then I get out of it. Right. And they say, oh, that was a plant. And you're like, well, why would I torture myself? <laughs> now, at one point, Erica Larson brought her dog to see my show, a midnight show. And then I wrapped my I'm head. I'm sorry. I thought you said Erica Larson brought her dog to see your show. Yeah. She brought her dog up to the parlor at midnight okay. to watch my show. 
Well, the dog, the dog is not going to understand magic. <laughs> That's what I thought too. No, you were wrong. I was wrong. The dog understood magic. Well, yeah, well it's the- Erica Larson's dog. <laughs> so Erica Larson's dog has been brought up in magic. It's like the guy who flooded his house to have dolphins live with him. <laughs> but I wrapped my head all the way in tinfoil, and then the dog ran down on the stage and and went next to me, and I said, "Good, I need a seeing eye dog." <laughs> And I got a huge laugh. Now that's worth planting every time. <laughs> that, that is a good plant move that I should add to my show. So this is going to be great because this is going to really mess with everybody who you're going to bring people up. And it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm very curious about uh, whether the selection process will be long or short when you tell them to decide amongst themselves who they should use. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird because we're doing them throwing darts and rolling dice and stuff like that. We're going to be able to say... Who do you think is least likely to be a professional dart player that we hired? Because <laughs> you could do this trick with a professional dart player yeah. that's hired to throw it into a certain place on the board. That would work for this trick. So who do you think is the least likely to be like from England and a uh, pub and a dart expert? <laughs> Dedicated their life to dart to dartboard. And then and then be a plan for us. Yeah. Because that, by the way, is the peak profession for someone who does learn how to play darts very well. <laughs> well, you know, Springsteen kind of did plants. Did you know that? Well, I know the music video thing, but I, oh no, you're right. No, I saw him in concert, and there was a plant thing in the audience in his show. Yeah, but you know, he did that with Howard Kalin and Mark Volman. No, Howard Kalin and Mark Volman, the Turtles. Yes, the Turtles, also Flo and Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who sang back up on everything? Yeah, they sing back up on Hungry Heart. Yeah. Okay. They're the best backup singer. They sing yeah. backup on Bang a Gong yeah. with T Rex. They sing backup on Alice Cooper. Everything. Yeah. So um, Bruce hired them, sing backup on Hungry Heart. And they did. And it was wonderful. So they went to see his show in Jersey. Yeah. Or somewhere. I, I just always think it's Jersey. <laughs> was pretty, I mean, it's he, a good guess. He, if you're going to guess, if you're going <laughs> to fill in that blank, survey <laughs> says New Jersey, number one answer. And he, he said, Mark Volman, Howard Kaler in the audience. Yeah. I want to bring him up here to sing Hungry Heart. Yeah. And they climbed through the audience and got on stage and they sang Hungry Heart with him. Right? Yeah. So Springsteen said to them afterwards, that was great. I love that. I love doing that. And they said, oh, great. And they said, listen, can I hire you to do other shows to come out for Hungry Heart? And Howard and Mark said, well, sure. You can, we're for hire. We sing for hire. Yeah. That's what we do. Take money for art. And Springsteen said, uh, yeah, I want you to do like the next six weeks of tours. And they said, great. We'd love to do that. You want to sing another stuff? He said, just hungry heart. And they said, okay, great. He said, here's the tour. Here's where we're going to go. And there was a couple dates they couldn't make. And they, they arranged it. And, and Springsteen said, and they said, okay, well, we'll come out. And they said, oh, no, no, no. I want you to come out of the audience. (laughs) <laughs> and they said, well, we, your show's okay, Bruce, but we don't want to watch it every night. <laughs> and he said, no, I'd really like you coming out of the audience. <laughs> and Howard said, it was, it was a job, so we did it. But we would sit there in Springsteen's audience every night. Oh, that's so strange. Waiting for him to do Hungry Heart, bring us out of the audience. 
That's really strange because mm-hmm. I've I was a plant for a Halloween show, uh, magic show mm-hmm. at the Stratosphere, very in my early days here in Vegas, mm-hmm. and I had to do the the show like uh, like five times a day, mm-hmm. and it was it was really psychologically so weird to do it night after night and do that over and over again. Did you have through, to go through the whole experience? You have to go through the whole experience, <laughs> and you got to pretend to be dazzled by different things and you do it differently each time so you're not getting too rehearsed or uh-huh. you don't want to stand out but you do want people to notice you're there uh i did not well, enjoy it when you have jaspers you know yeah. guys who do it ended with like, me getting my head chopped off in a head chopper off machine in dive guillotine is what they're called sorry go ahead <laughs> head chopper machine <laughs> in, in jaspers in like i always love this dive shows yeah. You know, a, a dive show cliche in yeah. the seventies was there'd be a heckler mm-hmm. who'd then come up and join the Aquanuts. Oh yes. You know, all that stuff. And you have a guy who heckles, you think you could dive better than us? I think I can. Well, come up here, give it a tr-. then he goes up on the high board and swings oh, around yeah, and catches yeah. it. All that stuff. They also would do them in auto thrill shows. Yeah, yeah. You know. Come out and go, I can drive better than that. Right? Yes. And I used to always love when I was at uh, Great Adventure. I want to bring this up again. I brought it up at least 15 times in the show. Yeah. I auditioned to be the dive show announcer. That's right. In the booth. Yeah. And my audition was the best. Yeah. And they deemed me too crazy to hire. Yeah. They said I was too crazy to do the dive show. And I've, I've held that as a bitter moment in my life tremendously. Yeah. And then Robbie Libin pointed out they were right. <laughs> you were too crazy to hire for a dive show. How long would you have stuck to the script? It's, it's an accurate question. And how weird would it have gotten? It would have gotten super weird. Super weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what I love about You couldn't even put letters up on a movie. <laughs> on a movie theater marquee. Right. You couldn't even be trusted with that. No, no. A microphone? <laughs> they, um, I was, I used to do the announcements at my high school. Yeah. Good morning, students. Today is a B day. Mm-hmm. Classes are scheduled as fo- follows. Yeah. I get fired from that. Uh, me too. So I was a student council president in charge of doing the morning announcements. Yeah. I hated that the cross country coach had to, had to thank every single racer by name. So uh-huh. every time I did the updates on what the sports team did over the weekend, mm-hmm. There's just a long list of names of every single person on the cross country team. They all deserved equal shout out. Mm-hmm. So I started throwing my own friends' names in there as well. <laughs> they fired your ass. And they fired me for it. I was fired by saying, I'll be skipping school tomorrow because tonight I'm going to see Jethro Tull. Anybody want tickets? <laughs> <laughs> How many wanted tickets? How many did you have to give out? I did. I wasn't, I was selling them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. there you it was, go. It was a good deal. Got a few, co- and then everybody skipped school the next day, and then I was fired, or, or was told not I couldn't do an hour. Does, does the school not respect capitalism? <laughs> well, also, the it, was fabric not, of our it was not coming to school. I think was the problem. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we're not coming to school tomorrow. I announced that ahead of time. But what I love about those Jaspers, the guys who are really good. Yeah. Now they're doing a six, seven dive shows a day. Yeah, and they're. Going into dry clothes, right? And they are uh, they are coming out of the audience, right? Yeah. 
And these, at least the guy that I saw, that made me laugh so much. He would go and find a family, and he would sit down with them and say, very straightforwardly, yeah. I'm the clown in the dive show, and I want to look like I'm coming out of the audience. So he'd say to like the father, the man, yeah. would you move away from your family and let me be part of the family? And then he would sit for the whole show with his arm around the guy's wife, <laughs> eating their popcorn, giving their children candy, <laughs> reprimanding the and being rather loud as to make a, sure a, a stern dad. A dad of this family. Well, the other guy stood off to the side, which of course you would love, right? Yes. You'd love. Yeah, yeah. At first blush, you'd say, ooh, that's creepy and unpleasant. When you think about walking up and going up, if someone did that at a dive show yeah. and said, I'm the clown of the show, yeah. I want to pretend that I'm with, and then you sit over a little bit to the side and he goes, hey, Sarah, give me that hot dog. <laughs> Hey, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's reprimanding your children and stuff. It's hysterical. I would laugh if it's hysterical. It's hysterical. Yeah. yeah. I just love that about it. So if you really did have stooges of the show, I'd want them to be doing that stuff. That's a good, that's a good act. That's really good. Did Howard and Mark have to do any of that? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Springsteen loved him coming out of the audience. That's bizarre. Yeah. He, I went and saw, which tour was it? But he... Had, he was doing Waiting on a Sunny Day, and all of a sudden there'd be like a little kid in the front row with headphones on, and he put the mic out, she would sing, and then the audience would go crazy, and he'd bring her up on stage, and she would sing a whole verse of Waiting on a Sunny Day, uh-huh. and the audience would applaud. I was like, wow, that is amazing. And then I uh, started reading concert reviews online, and I was like, oh, he's been doing this every every stop. Same same child? The same child. Same child with headphones? Which is a giveaway, right? If you're going to put your kid out in front of a Springsteen concert every night, Give her headphones, like protect her ears. Right. <laughs> In hindsight, that was a dead giveaway. <laughs> so, yeah. So Springsteen uses plants. <laughs> he does. He does. Do they have to sit through the encore? What's that? Do they have to sit through the encore? <laughs> yeah, when they're done, do they go back to the seats or they got to leave after that? <laughs> No, I think they went back to their seats. Oh, that's... Oh, no, they probably went backstage, right? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. that would make sense. He knows them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they go backstage, backstage get, a, get a cola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a that's a hard... That's a strange gig. Yeah. Because then you're stuck with, like, you don't want to be the person stuck just talking shit about Springsteen concerts after he paid you to, to do it either, right? No, you can't do that. No. And also, you can't sit there in the audience distracted. Right. Just reading the times on your phone. <laughs> Right? You can't, you can't do that. Yeah. And also, X number of people are going to recognize right. the turtles in the audience. Right. So I find, even even at my level of, uh, of uh, being noticed, yeah. I find that when I go to a show, I'm aware that some people have said, that's Penn. So I have to watch the show. Yes. I have to actively watch. Yes. Yeah, if, yeah. I, if no one recognized me. And I was just sitting in a show. The way I really sit at a show is no smile. I just sit and you know right. take, take in, in the show. Yeah. But if you're if you have to actively watch, yeah, that's a uh, that's a very different thing. That's work. That is work. <laughs> that is work. Oh man. I suppose they could start giving him notes after uh, intonation. Yeah. On uh, Asbury Park. Intonation, you're, you're going sharp on the high note. Yeah, I mean, yeah. d- just hit it and stay on it. Don't go, don't waver above it. 
is Little Steven even plugged in for Born to Run? <laughs> <laughs> I can't get his guitar in the mix I at all. I can't hear it at all, yeah. yeah. Who's your mix guy? Yeah, maybe, maybe, is he really loud in the monitors? <laughs> <laughs> Are we fooling? Are we all just tricking Little Steven? <laughs> <laughs> is this is this all just we're just punking little Steve? Yeah, he thinks he's in a band. Yeah, but he's not he's really. Not. He's a costume character. <laughs> Let's have him come out as Mickey. Because <laughs> it's true. I mean, they, they they're touring concert musicians, so they would have a lot of thoughts. I'm sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> On all of that. Sure. One time through, no. One time through, yeah. Like, could you imagine paying Piff to come out of the audience for tricks every night in your show? Yeah. <laughs> or the more, the bigger analogy yeah. is Johnny Thompson. <laughs> right. I mean, because Howard Caitlin and Mark Volman right. have been singing more on stage than Bruce Springsteen. I think that's probably still true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Because you know, Howard Caitlin started at the Rose Bowl at 16 years old. Right. So he did a lot of live shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea they don't have any notes. And he certainly knows intonation. Yeah. Of course, Springsteen's always on tune, so that's not really an issue. But right. It's still funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to plug a show. Okay, please. February 22nd, Thursday night, I'm playing the Hyperion, Lyric Hyperion. It's called the Lyric. The Lyric in Sherman Oaks in LA. And I'm doing it because... Uh, Quite frankly, some people express to me that Magic Castle is an expensive place to go. Uh-huh. This show is, uh, I think, 20 bucks, 25 bucks if you get online ahead of time. The link will be up on my Instagram page, mindnewly.com. Doing a full show at 9.30 in Los Angeles at the Lyric Hyperion. Come check it out. How many seats? Uh, it seats about 80. And is it on sale already? It's on sale. It's going to sell out fast. I think so. I'm actually mm-hmm. secretly hoping that I can get the 7.30 slot, too. But yeah, so let's sell out. Let's sell out this one. And I can add you. You have the same view about secrets as I do, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Which does not make us great magicians because of it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was Penn Sunday School brought to you by. Oh uh, uh, no! Be after brought to you by Masterclass. You have notes for you. Masterclass, yeah. And Masterclass. Oh, Jesus. I had to hit the volume too. Masterclass, uh, you can right now get 15% off. Just go to masterclass.com slash pen. It's really good. That was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. And to listening. You become naked. Nice, really jamming it out. Really taking it home. You know, we love you. Have you got anybody to thank there, uh, Matt Dunn? I sure do. I want to thank the very amazing people who support us over at patreon.com slash pen. I want to thank Ben, Amy, Super Spreader Smith, Franzika, Harry, the Grillagician, Don Dottie, Kevin Burke, David McLaughlin, Old Bear Greg, Charlie Sheets says trans rights, no shit, Sherlock, and... Por favor, van and Puerto Rico. Stephen Bryce Girdle, Coach Rat Bastard. Wash Your Sister Sauce. Will Jason. 
Dave, I want to finger your cunt Brenner, Tristan Conant, Mason Gooch, Sagebrush, Matthew Mishu, Luke Mellon, Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Matt Williams, Soapy Fresh, Brad Sherlag, Mike Cavanaugh, Rafiki, Steve Feldman, Jonathan P., NewRuleFX.com, Eric M. Ryan, Chris Tehachapi, Luke McKinney, Danny, insert meta joke here, Ruse, Little Mandar, Mike Fresh, That's Not Your Not Bored, Don Knotts, Adam Stickney, Nathan Julian, Jeremy in Shanghai, Christopher Harris, Petty Officer Scoop, Daniel, Leanne Rhymes, No It Doesn't, <laughs> William Wangering, David K., Shane Brevik, Blue Drinks Film Says Clear Your Cookies, Baby, Brandon Knapp, and Nick Dingman. Thank you! And special shout out to Nick, who is the one who brought me out to my latest show in Wisconsin. Oh, Thank you, Nick. Ready, Rich here. Quick postscript. While I was editing the show, Perry Friedman died. We're going to miss him, and I'm sure we'll talk about it plenty in the next episode. Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian.